from the Bills' famous cheese spread studios in the downstairs pub, the Blockout Sports Pod is back on the air. From behind the master control desk in the aforementioned downstairs pub, I am your host and moderator for this evening. My name is Travis Carter. Behind me, the man who keeps track of our picks, tries to keep us in line, and helps us to produce the show. You might call him by a number of names. We call him Mr. Electricity, Whiteboard Jody. Over my right shoulder at the high top table is the big fellow, the tuna country, Matt Kempf, and bellied up to the bar, a man whose spidey sense is always tingling, the fabulous one, Freddie Bender. I am a tingling. <laughs> and I would just like to note that he is wearing his Bad News Bears jersey tonight. Yes. So for the remainder of the episode, which is the entire episode, I will not be referring to you as Freddie. I will be referring to you as Buttermaker. All right. <laughs> so pipe down, Buttermaker. I like it. I love it. I love it. Uh, quick reminder, everybody. Uh, <laughs> we are on social media on Twitter at Blockout Pod on Facebook. Just type in Blockout Sports Pod into your uh, Facebook search bar. Uh, drop us a note. Uh, give us a follow. Let us know uh, what you want to hear. We're in a kind of a weird spot sports-wise right now. We were talking about it outside pre-show tonight where uh, you know college basketball is getting to the end of the regular season. Uh, but we're still a few weeks away from conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. Uh, the NBA just back from the All-Star break. Uh, the NFL, of course, we know is a year-round league, and we do have uh, some events coming up. It's this weekend, right? Yeah, the Combines this weekend in Indianapolis. Right. Um, Underwear Olympics. So uh, if there's anything that you guys want to hear us talk about, uh, of course – uh, we're ramping up around here locally uh, for the Kentucky Derby, and Fred keeps us all up to date on uh, the Derby preps and what to look what to look ahead to. But uh, really, I wanted to start the show tonight with, I guess, because it's kind of a dead time in sports, uh, kind of the story that dominated. Uh, after Saturday and early this week, which was we had, and we've actually discussed this topic on the show before. Did we talk about this when Caitlin Clark? Got we bumped? did. Okay. So we I did don't really remember that one. And my point was, I thought it was inevitable that somebody was going to get hurt and that I hoped it wasn't a big star. And I hoped that it wasn't, uh, something real serious, but of course we're talking about court storming. And uh, it happened on Saturday that uh, Wake Forest got a big home win against Duke. And as the clock was ticking down, uh, the fans at Wake Forest stormed the court. And um, Kyle Filipowski. Uh, as Coach Shire refers to him as Flip. <laughs> he got ran into on the court, uh, limped off. I haven't heard uh what his status or what he's fine okay good um he says his quote i'm still a little sore but it's nothing major okay so good for flip look like that guy hit it did he have camera equipment in his hand i know when they showed it 
at normal speed from the whole side of the arena of them all just exploding, not from his angle, but from the side angle. It looked like that dude was flying <laughs> a lot faster than when he hit him head on and you saw the back angle of it. I just, and I, we have not talked about this uh, pre-show, so I have no idea mm. where you guys stand on this. So you all may be a thousand percent opposite of where I, I've always thought storming the court was stupid. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier this week where, and I understand it's probably a um, like an environmental thing. When I was growing up, when I was in college, uh, Indiana never lost games at home. They were always favored to win games at home. I think my four years or, well, I say four years longer than that, but <laughs> my years at Indiana. Dr. Carter. My years at Indiana, I think they, they probably lost less than, what, maybe six, seven home games total. And so it just wasn't a thing. Plus, you had Coach Knight, who everybody was terrified of. Um, well, let's be real. Like, a school like Indiana should never storm a, storm a court. I, I, th I feel like when you're a proud, traditional program, you should never storm a court. I agree, but then I'm reminded. I know, of the – that. When they beat Kentucky in 2012. Well, and Indiana has been not very good for the better part. A lot of years over the past two decades. And they stormed the court when they beat Purdue. Yeah. They've done See, that a I've couple times. I've got an issue with that, oh, man. I do, too. Yeah. I despise um, it. Um, uh, see, all right, I'm all for court storming. I, I love I, now Wake Forest. I feel like every person at Wake Forest should go to jail. Uh, that entire university <laughs> should all be in jail. So when they do it, I don't like it. But I, I'm all for like any like smaller mid major school or not necessarily mid major, but a smaller like program. And there's only a handful of teams that you should score storm the court for. It's like maybe anybody in the top five. If a team's undefeated. If it's a traditional power school, like I don't want to put IU in there right now because, like you said, they've been bad for a while. But like Kansas, Kentucky, um, you know, a Duke, something like that, and you're like, I don't know, you're Ohio, the Ohio Bobcats, and for whatever reason, Duke agreed to this home and home that they didn't buy out of, and they're playing, and you beat them there. I'm all for storming the court. That's part of the college game. That's what makes college basketball fun. Is those and when it's like like LSU did it against UK last week, right? And that was a buzzer beater. Like, I'm all for that atmosphere when that happens. Um, but I feel like storming the courts also getting watered down where schools like IU are doing it against Purdue, and you're seeing well, more and more of it. Uh, and that's what I don't like. Matt Painter brought up in his press conference, and I've I don't know the exact, but it's something to this effect. Like, 11 of the past 14 games that Purdue has lost on the road has resulted in a court storming. And wow, that's just stupid. Like, I would Like, yeah. that seems and, – and he's – and, you know, and I, for all my IU fandom or whatever, I love Coach Painter. Mm. And I think he's kind of a, a – a, he's a great voice for – he's not real old yet, but he's very respected and he's been there a long time. And I really respect what he has to say. And, you know, his point is, you know, he worries for his players getting hurt in a situation like that. And That's why you get a Garrett Blunt. 
Yeah, right. right. He solved that situation himself. <laughs> right. Um, but I've just, I've thought for the last few years that it was inevitable that someone was going to get hurt. Thankfully, it doesn't sound like it was too bad of an injury or whatever. But I just don't understand, you know, the mentality of having all these security guards around the court for 39 minutes and 58 seconds, keeping fans off the court. And then maybe maybe after the game's over and they say, okay, uh, for one minute after the game, <laughs> you can't run out here. Mm. But then feel free to to do whatever after we get everybody off the court. How long does it take to actually get off the court? Like I feel like if you're you're losing, well, and that's another thing that so, now a buzzer beater situation at LSU. I get that because that was like everybody jumped all at once. That shot went in. You immediately run down there. But like Wake Forest knew they were going to win for like two minutes. So. I don't know. I feel like if you're Duke, you're kind of expecting this. You can you can get a feel. You can get your players, except for the ones that are on the court. You know. Well, that takes me to another thing that I think is so stupid, is that they make the teams do that handshake line after the game. Yeah, sorry, but that's out the window. I like, hate what? that too. I've always thought that was dumb. Right after you've been out there trying to kill each other for forty minutes. Now you have to immediately, one second after the game's over, you've got to go, just get off the court. I'm a thousand percent with you. And even, you know, if, like you said, if it's obviously our team's going to win, tell your guys, we're not guarding them. They're not going to try to score. Get down here to our end. The tunnel's right there. And as soon as the last second ticks off, you sprint to the to the locker room. Yeah, I mean you're already ready to go. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't see a problem with it. I I love it, and it's look, man. We're not gonna. We can't keep babying these guys. You know what I mean? Like hey, court storm is one thing, but it's hard for me to wrap my head around. Like, I as a Louisville fan, we've been so terrible for two years. I still, if Purdue comes in as the number one ranked team and we beat them on our court somehow, I still would be irate if Louisville rushed the floor because a school like Louisville should never rush the court. Um, I agree. And uh, I'm, of course, like I said, I don't think anybody should ever rush the court, but we can argue about that though. That, that's just a matter of well, what personal the preference actually doing. I think they're the only conference that does it. They find the school that does it a hundred thousand dollars on your first time, two fifty on the second, 500 on the third. And they, that money goes to the opposite school, the school that they beat. I was actually talking to Colin about this last night, and I said, I think they, if you really want to stop it, you almost have to do something like that where you say, with a minute to go or whatever, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we appreciate your enthusiasm for our team and all that, but a court storming is going to result in $100,000 being taken from the NIL collective or whatever and given to the NIL collective of the team that we just beat. So if you really want to help our team, keep your ass in your seat. Yeah, I don't know if you could do that with I don't the collective. Know. I, well, I don't All know the people donating to the collective you, would probably have a major issue. You probably that. couldn't do that. We were just <laughs> yeah. we were just spitballing ideas and I said until there's an actual tangible mm-hmm. something that uh that the average fan can relate to like 
This is not just hurting our program. It's going to help them. Maybe it's going to take something like that. Well, let's I don't just know. Say your Wake Forest. Like, how many games are on that schedule where you think that you would storm the court for? Duke, North Carolina. Duke and North Carolina. That would probably be it. Um, and I don't even know if North Carolina's playing at Wake Forest this year. Maybe so, Virginia when they've been so good. If you storm the court for Virginia, I don't care if it was the year after they but won a national I'm championship, telling you, man. Like we've talked about, yeah. it's become a th- and the other thing is, and I hate to I mean, I really don't want to sound like old man yells at Cloud, but mm. but so much of it now is man, I want to get out there and have my phone up and show my boys that I was on the court after well, the game. And it's, it's not just that. Like, when you think about, like, if I go back and I look at college football, some of the most amazing moments of, like, they were, like, storming the field afterwards. When when Tennessee beat Alabama up there, what was that, two years ago in Knoxville, that was one of the most amazing and scenes I ever. I have to admit. And there's going to be people with basements like yours, with, like, you've got a tribute to Indiana down here, with a tribute to Tennessee and a painting of that scene yeah, but you have on that all, wall. you have way more space to do it. If you and way and the more teams people can walk off to the tunnel on the sides. If you look at uh, in college, it ain't the same. Speaking of that, if you look at the table right I mean, where where Jody's basketball. sitting, there's a picture of me after Indiana beat Purdue in 2007, and the entire field is covered, and I'm standing there, you know, with my hands mm-hmm. up, and I will admit that I did end up on the field that night. Yeah. <laughs> I will admit It's almost that. like a rite of passage for a college student, man. You, you, you were there for a big moment. I was well I was well out of college by that yeah, point. I was well out when I did the Louisville, when I stormed the field for the Louisville-Florida State game. Most that we talked of the about. time in college basketball, you're waiting for someone to shoot a free throw, miss a free throw. The anticipation happens so fast. Your players can't get out. I always revert back to the, the funniest storm the court, not funny, but, and obviously this is a, a world championship, but when, when Boston beat the Lakers um, in Boston, I'll never forget. I always think of that court storm because Larry Bird is not expecting them to storm the court. And when they do, I'm talking, he jacks like five women, two men (laughs) under the chin. I mean, now, if you you pull it up right now and see it. And I mean, he is like getting crazy. It looks like he's getting in a fight. He's shoulder blocking people on the way to that. It don't matter who it is, he's getting through and getting the hell out of there. Uh, But I always think of that when I think of that stuff. And. Uh, but basketball just happens so fast. They come from everywhere. Well, that's what I was talking about earlier with the Wake Forest. There there was a two-minute time span where you knew that they were going to win yeah. that game. They had plenty of time to get their team. Right. And I don't know. You send five scrubs out there and be like, you guys got to take this. Guys. But as you all said, we're getting the stars like to y'all the said, room. you've seen coaches that look at the other coach and go, great game. Yeah. I believe it. Like y'all said, that's the way it should be. You have enough sense to know that they're probably going to storm the court, get say goodbye. You don't have to go shake hands. You've already talked before the game while you were there, probably in an open gym, get the hell out. I remember there were some guys that worked for Barstool sports and they would go around from campus to campus and they would wear rain suits and they called themselves the storm chasers. And they would go there and they would, uh, that's actually pretty clever. It is. And they would like, if there was like a potential upset, 
And they would go there, and their whole entire goal was to get the student section worked up to storm the court afterwards. <laughs> so you would have like a, you know, twentieth ranked team that beat like a eleventh ranked team, and they're storming the court. And it's like, <laughs> but uh, they word got out quickly on them where they were uh, getting thrown out of asked, any asked to not do that any anymore. arena that they walked into were escorted out fairly quickly. So, but I don't know, man. I I'm all for. I think that's. These are college kids. I, it is what it is. Well, there really, there's no, obviously, there's no, I mean. Until somebody gets hurt. Oh. And that's what happened. You know what? Nobody did anything years ago when, when LeGarrette Blunt punched the kid from Boise State. You know what I mean? That fan comes down there, puts his arm on, on LeGarrette Blunt's shoulder, and he turns around and punches him square in the jaw. And nothing was was changed after that, and it wasn't a player that got hurt; it was a fan. But yeah, and and I honestly worry about and and universities have got to be cognizant of that too. Some drunk yahoo runs out on the court, gets in the face of some dude that's six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds. Yep, the guy just turns around instinctually. I've just been in this super competitive environment, and I've got some yahoo yelling at me. I. I and he gets punched, his face gets caved in by a punch. Well, now the university's on the hook. Mm. And there's no real easy. Was Oregon put on the hook for that? Or did LeGarrette Blunt got suspended for the entire season? He did get suspended. That was the for first the game of the year, and I don't think he played in college anymore after that. I don't know uh, what the, what the, I, I, I would assume something was settled out of court or something. I, I have no idea. Mm. But, the way that things are now, that I, kid put his hands on him, so I think he was fair well, game to be the, touched. That's another. Th- there's all this gray mm. area there. Like, at what point is are you just trying to protect yourself? Uh, and it, there's a lot of nuance there. It's really not a. I mean, regardless of what you will hear on most, you know, uh, sports shows or whatever, it's really not a black and white issue. There's a lot of gray area there that. Uh, I mean, you can be all for loving the excitement and the emotion of a court storming and still a little queasy about the fact that somebody might get hurt. I mean, that's a legitimate place to be. I think you and I agree that court storming or field storming should, if it is allowed, should only be for legitimate reasons and not... Yep. Not when the, you know, your team that isn't very good beats the 18th ranked team when they have an off shooting night. Yeah. You know, it's terrible. But we've seen a lot of that lately, and uh, but it's just it's an interesting topic and something I I knew that we we needed to touch on and uh and something that we could probably talk about for an hour and we'll never it will be interesting to see now that since it's happened to a kid from Duke. Not just a kid from Duke, the kid yeah, from Duke. Yeah, the, like a star from, mm-hmm. from Duke. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the repercussions are. And I would think that, at the very least, cosmetically, the league or the Flipper. NCAA or somebody's going to have to get... <laughs> Pipe down, Buttermaker. Flipper. Going to have to get involved and, at, at the very least, put something in effect like what the SEC does because... From what I understand, the ACC has no room. No, it's wide open. So it's wide open. 
I think uh, SEC is the only conference that does that. Okay. Make, make the fine bigger and make it. But the thing is, like the, the board. people storming the court could care less about the fine, man. That, that's my whole thing. Like, if you tell me, like, if I'm going to storm the field, if Louisville just beat um, an Alabama at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium, I'm on that field. And you're going to tell me, don't go on the field because it's going to cost Louisville 500 grand, and that money will go to Alabama. Be like, who gives a shit? Wait I'm going minute. on the field. Wait well, a well, minute, I pal. Hate- if I got a yellow jacket, you ain't coming through me. <laughs> If I'm working there, you ain't coming through Buttermaker, me, Buttermaker, I would carry you out and put you on the Cardinal Bird. <laughs> if I'm getting paid to protect this field, you ain't coming through me. Well, that's our answer. Freddie would end up. Freddie Fred would, Buttermaker is Freddie running would, security. Freddie would end up on top of one of the goalposts. You would just place him up there <laughs> at your leisure. Hey, I'm heading to the beer vendor that left his beer sitting there. I'm going right. Hey, head on to the field. I'm going over here. Finding a bunch of empty tubs yeah. left up in the stands. Hey, look what I got. Um, Honestly, the stands may be the funnest area there is. <laughs> yeah, just watch it happen. Yeah. I agree. And then you're not in you're not involved in the well, or, or another, Fred, I have another solution. Win. Well, that's true too. How about win? Fred, <laughs> don't lose. Weren't you at the at the IU Kentucky game when the Oh yeah. When Watford hit that uh, shot. When Gee Morris uh <laughs> had uh the oh, you were there out. for that one, too. I was, and they had the Gatorade poured on them, and they were getting ready to jump on the hell. They, I think they were on they, the goalpost. They were already rushing the field. When already, and, and I was down where the play happened, uh, and uh, Saban drew up a great play, and, you know. I was part of one. I was part of one back in the day. Devery when, Henderson. When UK beat Alabama that. in football, and we tore down the goalposts. I was actually in Lexington that night when when UK beat Bama. Yeah, well, I heard that thing ended up. It was floating down Woodland that Avenue. Lived it, some lake I never heard of. I don't know, like two in the morning. It was going many, down Woodland it's Avenue. It's in many different pieces. Some of the fraternity houses. What was them hotels have... over, uh, that were further out, land between the lakes or whatever? Oh, it ain't Maybe that far. That's all the way on the other side I of the know, state. Owned <laughs> by Henry Clay. The year yeah. after that is when they put the collapsible go post in what's now. There you go. Yes. I remember in the, would have been the mid-90s, whenever Andy Katzenmoyer was for Ohio Ohio State. Ohio State. I loved Andy Katzenmoyer. You kind of look like him. He was one of, I'd love to look like that guy. He was jacked. Ohio State. A little bit flabbier than him. Beat Indiana to win the Big Ten championship in football. Drink. Of course, it was not a big deal, but (laughs) their fans tried to go on Indiana's field, they wanted to tear down the goalposts. <laughs> and Indiana's offensive line made a circle around the goalpost, and there was this RIP, he was one of my favorite players, this big Samoan guy named Pita Elisera. And, you know, had big Samoan had the, had the hair and the whole mm-hmm. deal. And I just remember seeing from the stands, he had his helmet off, and he was swinging that thing like a samurai <laughs> sword, going, "Come on now!" <laughs> I have that image burned in my brain of Peter Elisera, yeah. like, and all of a sudden, uh, those Ohio State fans were not keen on tearing the goalposts down anymore. <laughs> Must protect this house. I like that. Oh God! Any- I, Ohio State fans are the worst, though. They, I think well, they, their I'd- football fans may be. Probably one of the worst fan bases there is. 
I, I, you're not going to get me to disagree with that. They're I've, coming over in Bama territory a little bit too much. What? Like, yeah, they just took our director of personnel too a oh. couple days ago. They're trying to find the process. And guess what? You ain't going to find it, Buckeyes. It is the Ohio State University. You ain't going to find the process. They're taking strays all of a sudden, aren't they? The process is in the South, baby. You ain't going to find it. Screw them. They they deserve every bit of it. Which, you know, and it's kind of funny. uh, Ohio State basketball fires their coach midseason. $15 million buyout. They don't care. And has two great wins. Mm-hmm. Right off of the that game, uh, are you talking about the Ohio State? But yeah, 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 they're, they're playing well. They beat Purdue at home, and yeah. then they they and just they just, they just beat weekend. Michigan State Yesterday. on a buzzer beater yeah. at the at Izzo's place. There has been rumors floated around that the one and only Chris Mack's name has been uh, surfaced for that job. Really? Yes. Interesting. How can you? I, well, I I don't know how you can't look at the guy that's there right now. Well, I think Texas did that last year, and that doesn't seem to work out too well. Oh, some of those intern coaches, man, they're good for about. Wait they're a good for about it, like ten games tops, and it, then it, the wheels uh, fall Texas, off. Texas, Texas is coaching that. Uh, what's his name from Breaking Bad? <laughs> the Walter polo, White? No, the polo chicken guy. <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Hermosos Polio. Yeah, what's his name? Who was the the mastermind? What was his name Gus? Gus. Yep, that's Gus. it. Gus. Gus. Yeah, I mean. He looks just like him. It's he does, scary. He does it's look freaked out. He's got like the glasses on. Well, maybe that's his problem. He's too busy <laughs> running his chicken restaurant to coach basketball. But I, I don't know, man. Those interns is a scary situation. You can't really commit to those guys too much. And Right. Um, well, the attitude in the building changes for 10 days. That's, exa- that's yeah, exactly right. Weeks. That's exactly and, and right. And it goes back down. It's the same thing we've talked about it before. Like a big time college team or an NFL team loses their starting quarterback, and maybe for the rest of that game or one game after, the team rallies around. They play with their hair mm-hmm. on fire, but then reality sets in, and they're back to where they were, just but without their real head coach. Florida State football. <laughs> uh, yeah, Georgia Tech did pretty damn good when their coach was gone. And still are. Speaking of backup quarterbacks in the NFL, um, I'm, I'm, I heard news the other day that uh, AJ McCarron asked out of his contract with the Cincinnati Bengals, ka-ka, ka-ka. so he could return to the St. Louis Battlehawks. What about that? That damn right. He there's knew two I had things a jersey. to talk about here. For one, how awful does it have to be to be a member of the Cincinnati Bengals? <laughs> Does he want to leave there? He wants to play. I mean, he's behind Joe B, baby. And now... He's behind Joe football. It shows the growth of what was formally known as the XFL, or we'll refer to now That's as the right. UFL, which spring football is upon us. It's I, coming up. I almost wore my... Black Hawk, I mean, my uh, Kaka uh, Battle, Battle Hawk jersey. I did. I I'm think Karen special. Is first game going to be when we're in Vegas? Oh, I would love I that. think it is. Please tell I me. I think so. that Saturday we can be at the sports book watching NCAA basketball. And is it the 
the Renegades and the Blackhawks go in oh, the week please one. Please tell me so I can bring my jersey. Jody, can you look that up when the uh, when the yeah, U- when the UFL, the UFL season schedule. kicks off? I will, but I'm not watching that game. Uh, sure, you are. Yeah, you're lost, pal. You get to watch AJ McCarron versus the reigning champions. You don't want to see me walk around like is caca over a touchdown in the sports book. You know something that the St. Louis Battlehawks will never be able to say? These DC defenders, too, is that they've never won an XFL championship and they never will. <laughs> we all know who the best team was last year. We can say we made the playoffs. The defenders just had a they, they had Half a, the league made the playoffs. The, well. the defenders had a bad week and it you know that happens from time to time. But I expect them to bounce back yeah, in. It's called choking. In unbelievable it's, fashion it's called this choking. year. We can, you know, sugarcoat this however we oh, want. Oh, your rodeo team choked. <laughs> <laughs> I got no argument there. It, it starts the weekend after. Oh, oh, man, what a shame. The 30th is their first game. Maybe so, um, Elite Eight games will be going. Our Sweet 16 games and Elite Eight. Elite right. Eight games because it'll be yeah. that Saturday. Yeah. I mean, where would all the NCAA fans go when but, all the UFL fans come to the sports But you had to know it would have been hilarious. <laughs> We'd be like, these crazy guys want a TV on the on the freaking yeah. new league these over assholes. here. What's going on? One of them's got a jersey. <laughs> Why did Freddie get kicked out of the sports book? <laughs> yeah. well, there could be a lot of answers to that question. They ran out of high noon. <laughs> Pineapple. Oh, my God. Well, what a day, though. If you think about it, that Elite Eight day, you'll have those two big games going on that night, and then that earlier that day, yeah. you'll have big UFL games. Right. So. I'll do a jersey switch. With Travis? I got my, I, I, I had on back where I have a Derek, my Derek Anderson, uh, uh, blue jean. Remember the blue jean? Oh yeah. The real men wear denim from from 98. 98, Yes. So I had to jump in and find a good deal on a Wayne Turner. Number five UK Jersey. Was Derek Anderson uh, on the 98 team? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, oh, wait a minute. No, 96. No, 96. 98 was the Denims, wasn't it? No. No. It was mm. not 98. It was 96. 96. He was in 96, 97. And he was on 96, 97. Remember, he was hurt in 97. I was going to say, that he has came to out be a patino free thing. Throws. It had to be a patino What's thing. What's that? The the denim jerseys had to be a patino thing. Uh, I, I think it was. I thought it was McCarty. It. Cornbread McCarty wanted them. Those are the ugliest damn things. <laughs> oh, they're horrendous. I got some cor- some vans that are like game vans that are uh, denim that I can't wait to sport. With oh my it. god! Yeah, uh, but I do have my you know my favorite Wildcat of all time, uh, Wayne Turner. Uh, Who coaches I, right I, down the road? I did what's that? prettiest jump shot in he, college basketball? He, co- <laughs> <laughs> he coaches right down the road. Well, well uh, time to introduce me. He's at Atherton. The well, I'll, well, I'm ready to go meet Who, the, Wayne Turner the quiet, the silent assassin. Uh, I would love to take you to meet him fanboying out. Wayne! Wayne! Right. <laughs> Wiggling Wayne from Beaver Creek, baby. Maryland. Only uh, if you're wearing those shoes you were talking about. That's right. <laughs> Wayne, Wayne, sign my shoes, Wayne. <laughs> sign my shoes, Wayne. Come on. I think he coached at L too for a while. Yeah, 
No, Wayne Turner? Yes, yes. He coached under Patino for That was a Marvin while. Stone. No, Marvin Stone. And Walter McCarty. Uh, Marvin but, Stone but, played there. Walter McCarty coached there. Right, as did uh, Wayne Turner for a while. I don't remember Wayne Turner yeah, on that staff. Just, just for a, a little bit. Hmm. He was there for a couple of years. Uh, but a fantastic uh, postseason uh, performer in college basketball history. Wiggling Wayne Turner, number five from Beaver Creek, Maryland. I tell you what, he Shut could down get in the lane Joe. about as good as anybody. I remember him. He like, was a gamer, bro. Yeah, it wasn't a gamer all year. But and his, shot was, ugly. And he, his, his shot, shot was ugly. His shot was ugly, but, but he didn't man, shoot it much. No, he didn't. He just created for everybody else. Right. He, was he played else. big. Yeah. He was quiet, too. Well, Mr. Right. Electric. No, uh, <laughs> well, I was I was looking up his stat. He's the youth service coordinator to Atherton and the head okay. women's basketball coach. Oh, He's been there almost five cool. years now. Cool. I'll go check him out. I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> that could be our first video, uh, our blockout video on Facebook is of uh, – Freddie meeting his hero down there at Atherton. Yeah, running across the court with his shoes in his hand instead of on his feet. <laughs> coach, <Yeah>. coach, coach, coach! <laughs> oh my God! Have you guys ever like got the opportunity to meet your favorite like sports idol in your life in that's person? A, that's a great question, and I have, but I'd love to hear you guys' stories first. No, well, go I'll, ahead, Tuna. I'll kick off. Um, this was uh, 2009 in Kandahar Airfield in Afghanistan. I'm in um, from working out at a FOB, and when I was there getting refit, there was um, Tommy Lasorda was in for a USO tour. Um, and every morning that I was in Kandahar, they had this boardwalk area. And on the boardwalk, you had like your – subway your pizza hut like your burger king there was like you know normal stuff and little shops on there and you go there and uh there was a tim hortons um and i would always go to tim hortons when i was in kandahar it's like the canadian starbucks yeah yeah, exactly and i'd go there and get a donut and a coffee because most of these fobs i was at wouldn't really have anything and i would always walk there with this guy Cass, who i worked with well i slept in a little bit and I didn't go, and I had a morning meeting that I had to be to, so I didn't make it to Tim Hortons that morning. And I run into Kazmir at the meeting, and he was like, guess what? I was at Tim Hortons and sat down and talked to Tommy Lasorda for 15 minutes this morning. He was there getting coffee. Wow. And I Just was like, coffee, and he God. was like, I told him about you and how much, because Tommy Lasorda is probably – the biggest sports icon in my life. Like I, that, that guy was just amazing. And who don't love Tommy that, uh, Fletch. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) And that one slipped through my fingers, man. So I, I, even though I didn't get to meet him, just knowing that like I was that close to just sitting down and having a cup of coffee with Tommy Lasorda will always make me sick to my stomach a little bit. That's awesome. But well, it could have been awesome. But other than that, man, like I can't think of a a big sports icon that I've actually gotten to meet. That was probably the closest that I got to it. Fred, I know you've had some close (laughs) some close encounters. I have had some 
pretty legit encounters, I must say. Uh, really, when I was younger, uh, my dad was, I was at the age in, in like fifth grade to sixth, seventh uh, grade. Uh, I would go with my dad and them to high school, big high school football games and everyone. He knew I was a big card collector and so forth. And I remember one time he got me out of school early uh, in 85 to take me to, he's like, if you, if you don't look like you know what you're doing, you can pretty much get around anywhere. And and uh, so we would go to these practices at the regionals and stuff and just walk in Freedom Hall and watch them practice. And no one said nothing as long as you were just in there sitting down watching. It was before they really do that now where right. you can go mm-hmm. in and watch right. them. And he picked me up with uh, one of his buddies, and we went up to Rupp Arena in 85 uh, with one of the greatest Final Fours ever and went to the Hyatt. And, and I had you a have program. that program that's I signed by around. everybody. I've got probably uh, 25, 30 of the greatest coaches ever to sign, and I just walked around like a kid in a candy shop <laughs> and awesome, knew man. who some were. Some I didn't know, but I, it, as I sat and looked around, I would – I could tell who was talking to him and how they were talking to him that they were somebody. Yeah. And some of those guys were so cool, like Larry Brown and Wes Unsold. They would, uh, Jerry West, they would show me someone else when they saw all the things I had. And I was the only kid in this. I mean, my dad and my buddy were drinking beer at the bar, right? You know? And not, and, and they just let me run rampant. But probably the greatest thing that I had, and I had to throw that in there real quick, was... Uh, I was collecting baseball cards, and, I was and it gonna, was around 80. I think this is the story I was yeah. going to ask you about. It was 84, Is this 85. the autograph that we yes. can't find? Yeah. I don't oh. even. I don't want to get into the autograph, but I will tell you the story. Yeah. Uh, that my, you know, he knew I was a big uh, card collector, so, of course, he's reading the paper one day, and he's like, the legends are coming to Louisville for a morning breakfast session. Uh, if anyone wants to get on, uh, meet some of the greats or whatever, they were doing a banquet type thing. Well, my dad was always like, the banquet ain't good enough. We're going to get there at 730 in the morning and we're going to catch them eating breakfast in the lobby, in the hotel lobby breakfast yeah. area. And we're going to beat the other kids. Damn you know right. what I mean? And so we get. I Bill remember, wasn't no rookie. I remember getting up, and we're. It was at the Hyatt Regency. We get up one morning early. I mean early. And my buddy Tater was with us. My dad's buddy again. He was like our partner in crime. <laughs> and we're walking in. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you the autographs I got while I was there before I tell you who we met walking in. But uh, Stan Musial was a fantastic wow. guy. Jesus. One of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet. Uh, sat and talked to me for like five, 10 minutes. Uh, Luke Appling, uh, these are, these are the autographs on guys. a napkin that you have. Well, no, I have these on some cards. I had okay. these immortal cards that were fake, but I didn't have these old guys. Yeah. Allie Reynolds, Luke Appling. These guys uh, are old. dude. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, ha- I got Warren Spawn's autograph. He was there. Uh, and these guys are just old guys hanging out. I got Bob Feller. I got Johnny Mize. Uh, those are really the guys that I got. Some of them are, their autograph is literally shaky. You know, you can tell. And I didn't even have an immortal card of them. 
But long story short, we were walking in, and it was a rainy, rainy Saturday morning. And uh, like I said, we got there super early. And uh, I remember us walking up, and I had this fresh Sharpie in my hand before Sharpies were Sharpies, I think. And I had these cards in my hand, in my pocket, like, and they weren't real cards. They were the, the, and we're walking up and we're walking up the stairs and I'm not really paying attention. And my dad and, and Tater like stop in their heels and they kind of look at me and they look around, they look up and coming down the steps is Joe DiMaggio (laughs) with his umbrella and his freaking rain jacket. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And he's walking out. He's like, I already saw my buddies. I'm out of here. Like, I, I don't do this kind of thing. Yeah. But, I, but I'm but i hanging out with my guys. Dude, he comes down, and my dad and Tater just, they don't know what to say. They're just like, gup, gup, gup. <laughs> and they're like, how you doing, Mr. DiMaggio, sir? And I'm like, and uh, he's like, man, how you doing? And he just keeps walking, and. I pulled out, I had this card where he's on his knee, you know, uh, like in one where he has the, the 56 and I pulled it out streak. Yeah. and I took the freaking thing and I said, could you sign my card? He goes, yeah, dude, it's just like, you know, sure kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, bam, bam. And he was gone. Like nothing. He was out of there. And Joe DiMaggio didn't sign anything and it like was that. The, it's the greatest thing ever. It is a hundred thousand percent true story. Uh, I mean, Tater, my father's since passed, but Tater is alive and he knows that we were there and it happened. And, uh, and we, I, I just want to know what happened to the damn autograph. He's going to tear dude. the house apart tonight when he goes. No, home. it has guys, Tater's dude, got it. I don't even want people <laughs> on the other end to have to hear. Uh, I had a 65 Mustang once. That was one of my biggest regrets. Uh, obviously, not getting them uh, to sign it. Uh, obviously, <laughs> the health of family members and things like that. But material things, the Mustang is gone, and the Joe DiMaggio <laughs> card is gone. And uh, Robbie Klein, if you're listening, you have it. Ooh, uh, calling you out, Robbie. One Klein. of my buddies uh, that had every card known to man, and you, I don't even want to say what I did. Uh, we'll kick in Robbie Klein's and I mean, I do, I do have a pretty nice collection and I have a lot of my nice collection because of that, but nothing could touch that card. I, I did not tell my dad about that for 30 years and it was me and Tater's secret that I no longer had that card and oh my God, I just, uh. I don't even want to think about it. I have looked online. I feel like I have seen it. It is there. I can tell you right now, for those that want to look it up, it is a blue, royal blue Sharpie, and it says Joe DiMaggio right across the front of a baseball immortal card. Wow. And I think he's kneeling on it, if I remember correctly. Uh, It was just those card starter set fake cards. And I think it was eight grand. It was going for like eight to ten grand. I I would imagine uh, nothing crazy. You know what I mean? Still. But just to have it, and for me to be an old stupid kid that got rid of that dri- drives me insane. And uh, you know, no one's ever gonna 
have that opportunity to have it and show people. But I do have the story, and it did happen. Yeah, that's and, cool. Uh, it was fantastic. So that's, that's my, a great that's a that's great my... story, Jody. How about you? It, we just talked about this the other night, Travis. Uh, I was in. I'm a Titans fan, and we were down. I, myself, my buddy Kenny, another friend Matt. Matt's a Steelers fan. Kenny is doesn't care about NFL. We go to Nashville, see the Titans. We end up selling our tickets for an astronomical amount of money and just partied. Well, that night after the game, we go back to the hotel to freshen up. I don't go out. I'm done. I can't move. So they go to Banana Joe's in Nashville, and I don't go. And they come back that night, and they have pictures with Javon Curse. There on either go. side of him. The freak. And yeah, his hands were so huge. I mean, I, I oh, regret he was missing a out on big that. guy. Um, I, I did get to meet briefly Brandon Phillips and Griffey. I had a friend that worked for the Reds for a year and got to meet them for about 30 seconds. That was really cool. Um, met a few other people, but, yeah, the 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 one that burns me up is the, the freak. Yeah. I did meet – I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Fred's idol, uh, the snake in Tuscaloosa. Yes, yes that's very uh, cool. Drank with him that night that's before he awesome. went home with a 20-something-year-old college girl. What <laughs> uh, True yeah. story. I mean, he is the snake. He is the snake, and he was up doing radio pregame like he didn't skip a beat with Eli Gold. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. Would you like to talk about We that? need to talk about right. that we here, will. We here will. in a few minutes. Travis – Yes, well, I know I've you got on. a lot of stuff I've been, too. I live. I've been really lucky, uh, just growing up in Bloomington and having a lot of uh, people that I knew that uh, worked at the university and things. And a lot of the stuff you see down here is is a result of that. I've told the Coach Knight story before. I won't go back into that, but I've got right here in front of me some pictures of Coach Pont and uh, Jade Butcher and. Harry Gonzo, all key pieces of the Rose Bowl team. and uh, My wife and I uh, were lucky enough to go to uh, the Hall of Fame induction when they were all inducted to the Indiana Sports Hall of Fame. They were all still alive, and uh, that was a really special thing because that was a team that meant a lot to my dad and everything. Uh, but one of my favorite things is this pair of shorts that's oh, right yeah. over here. Um for some of you younger listeners or They're a little tight on tuna people that don't know who <laughs> everything is bro <laughs> who uh Quinn Buckner is Quinn Buckner was the um starting point guard uh for Indiana 1975-76 when they were undefeated for two years in a row and uh would he probably won- be on the all one of the greatest college, if you put a greatest college f- uh, basketball team together, the t- starting five or six, he probably would be on it. Well, he's one of the great winners in the history of basketball. He was state champion, captain of his, and a leader. State champion, captain of his high school team. National champion at Indiana, captain. Captain of the 1976 Olympic team that won a gold medal. Uh a key piece of the 80 either 85 or 86 we'd have to ask have to ask Ike he was on the Celtics when they won a world championship didn't play a lot but was a key 
locker room guy and a leader for that team. Anyway, my dad's maybe his favorite player of all time. And several years ago, we had opportunity. He's now the color commentator for the Pacers games. And we had an opportunity to go and meet the broadcast team and things like that. Well, several years ago, I was able to procure a pair of his shorts, game-worn shorts, from the 1976 season. And I always thought, man, wouldn't that be cool if I could ever show these to Quinn and have, well, I ended up having that opportunity. And, you know, they always say, don't meet your... Quinn Buckner is one of the coolest dudes ever. And I walked up to him and I said, Quinn, this is my dad. He was a huge fan of yours. I was a little too young to remember you as a player, but I know all about you and all that. I said, and a few years ago, this is one of my prized memorabilia pieces and I pulled him out of this bag I had and I handed him to him and he held him up and he goes, can you believe my fat ass ever fit into these things? (laughs) I I mean, it just broke the ice immediately. They, there was, I mean, warmups are going on on the court. He's price should be working. He ended up talking to me. I asked him a few questions about playing for coach Knight. And then I said, would you sign these for me? And he said, of course I would. And so he signed those for me, and they're hanging up on that door right there. And that's one of my... Uh, Prized possessions. Yeah, yeah, that's something that... You, it's, it's, it's probably not worth anything monetarily, but you couldn't offer me... There's no amount of money that would get me to part with those. Can we take a picture of those and put them online? Yeah, please. Because I don't know that Emma Lou can... Those things are tiny. <laughs> they are. It's like blows me away every time I see and him. And Buckner was not a... He's not he a small was, guy dude, even when he played. Dude, I mean... Man. How tall is he? He was also a great uh, color uh, commentator. Well... A- as as time went by, he was really good. Well, he did... 6'3". Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, he was like 6'3". Six, six, six probably weighed... Over two hundred oh, pounds yeah, when he played. He was listed him. weight was when he played was um six three one ninety. Yeah, yeah, Indiana. yeah, yeah. He was he he is a big guy. He was a big guy. And I know you guys have probably more. St- may, everyone has more people that we can say. I'm. I mean, you know, like I remember meeting Patino in '87 when he won the championship at Freedom Hall with Providence. And I got his autograph. The regional, coming, you mean? Coming, yeah. yeah, out of the locker room. Uh, he was a chubby old white kid. You know, it was just so young. And of course, my dad and I are up there waiting for him because they were the gem of Louisville, upsetting Alabama and Kansas and all the Georgetown that that year. We snuck in for practices. But Travis and I have one we could end with maybe uh, when we were we were lucky enough to. Uh, be standing in a, a hotel. I mean, in a hotel lobby downtown in Louisville, doing a, a oh yeah a, at a food event, and we happened to be walking outside to get something. I don't know. We came back in and we're standing at the top of the escalator, and our wives are inside sampling food or, or tasting food, a different restaurant and things at this banquet. And there's a lot going on in the hotel. And we looked down, and she had just left the front desk, and she turns around. She's coming towards us, and we're looking at her, and it's Pat Summit. Oh. And she's got these blue eyes that you can see from so far away. They were in town to play Louisville mm-hmm. at the Yum Center. Yeah. And 
Fred, I'm going to tell this story. Yeah, you tell the story because I I love I I love this story. So I was actually coaching uh, girls basketball at the time at collegiate. I was coaching uh, the middle school girls team at at that point. And, of course, just being a basketball person or basketball fan, uh, Pat Summit is on the Mount Rushmore of the greatest coaches of all times. So we see Pat Summit. We see her team. We go down. She's pulling her luggage, remember? Yeah. We go down, and I introduce myself. I think I introduced Jerry or Fred, and we're talking. And uh, Buttermaker. She, <laughs> she says, you know, it's very nice to meet you guys. Uh, What's your names? She did. She asked us our names, what we were there for, and all that. So anyway... We go back to the event and do our thing, and the event's winding up. And, of course, Remember Fred, we told our wives who we'd see, they're like, who's that? They're right. <laughs> and so Fred and I, as the thing's winding down, we're like, we're going to go down to the bar, as we do, and we're going to have a cocktail or whatever. And remember I grabbed a book. I grabbed yep, the banquet book. I'm we like, each had those books, yeah. and we go back down there. Well, now... Coach Summit and her coaching staff are sitting at this booth, and I'm a little nervous about it, but Fred's a little more forward on things like that, and he went over and, you know, he was like, uh, Coach. Well, remember, she looked at us, she goes, Jerry, Travis, what are y'all doing here? Yeah, the, what, what, that's what I was getting ready what you, to get to. Like, <laughs> she remember our name. She's called us out by name, told us to come over. We're sit literally. It's Pat Summit, her coaching staff, and me and Fred sitting in this round booth. Yeah. <laughs> like, and she starts asking us questions. Well, I don't remember if it was me or Fred. We said, we would love, Coach, if you would sign our books for us. She goes, I'll tell you what. She goes, I remembered you guys' names. She said, I'll sign that if one of you can remember the assistant coach's name that I introduced you to when we were in the lobby. Oh, uh, test time. She goes. Not up Buttermaker's Alley. She goes. No. She goes, this gal is going to be a great coach uh, at some point. And, of course, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. And to Fred's credit. Oh. Fred got it right. He's a gamer coming through the clutch. He got it right. And he was like. Uh, I, I, I honestly do not remember her name, and she—I'm not quite sure if I do. And she signed our book, and I think she might have taken over for Pat Summit at the end of her, yeah, at her career, yeah. But Freddie stepped up <laughs> and nailed it. Oh, we were like, oh my gosh, and she got the biggest kick out of that. And I'm telling you, that was what. Only two or three years before she had to step right. down. Right, and she goes, guys, whatever you do, remember people's names and information. And then you could tell that this is something that she was working on or something that she was great at and getting ready to lose. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, she was probably practicing it right, nonstop. Right, because we it- didn't know that she... I don't think anyone did. Was until, like, going right to have what, you know, be mm-hmm. diagnosed with what she was diagnosed with. But maybe she was then. Maybe even if people had already known about it and we didn't know. Just people in Tennessee. 
But you know what I'm saying? It was just so ironic that that that's how she passed and was diagnosed with after she went through that whole thing with us. Yeah, and that was uh, honestly one and of it the. It was like you want to talk about just a good like like. I mean, we came in there walking in there and oh, Jerry Travis, we all doing back. <laughs> we all doing here, you know, like. Dude, like you had known her all your invi- life. She invited us to sit. At- yeah. Oh, and all the I girls remember- were there. Like it was, a, it was intimidating. They had, trust me. they had two buckets of Miller Lite on the yeah. table, and she was like, <laughs> "Grab a beer, dude." Grab it a was beer. hilarious. And that—that's one of the. I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up, yeah. Fred, because I, I probably would have failed to mention that, but that, that really was maybe the. Yeah. tip top of the mountain right, as far right, as right. something like that goes because we had not just one but two real interactions with her right. and got to see her at yeah. that level yeah. of it's such a, a tr- very pretty just so dressed so nice and her eyes just her eyes well, were so blue. That's the they thing, Fred. Look, Couldn't you, like, she's one of those people. She put me in that, quicksand, dude. She's one of those people that they always talk about this. Like, when you walk into a room and you can kind of feel the heaviness of the yes. charisma of yes. somebody. Yes. And she had that. Yeah, she did. It was she crazy. That. We- but that, that's a great story. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought that up. I love that story, but what I got out of that was the University of Tennessee Athletic Department bought you beer. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Rocky I, uh, Top. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, but anyways, no, they were they were definitely sitting down having dinner or something, and I don't even think they had played U of L yet. No, the game was the next night, the and next I night. and I promise you, it was two buckets of Miller Lite. I'll never forget it. Yeah, and, I, and you know, I'm sure it was her, her assistant coaches and whatever, and uh, all the all the personnel. I don't think the players were the players were there. not there. No, it was right. it was, it was just all of it was just her and her, her and the assistants. And, yeah, was all it was. It was and very cool. and I also that was rem- at the Marriott. Yep, and I also remember the other like I'm sure this was not the first time that this type of situation had happened because I remember when Coach Summit said, "I'll sign that." If you can remember the name of my, I remember all the other ladies at the table were like, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, ah, we're like, uh, and I still have my, uh, coach summit autograph. Yes, I do. Do I have mine in the garage bar. Awesome. Yes. On the March of dimes, uh, banquet. Well, that's, uh, those are cool stories. And if you guys, uh, as listeners have uh, a neat story like that, Reach out to us on social media. I would love to hear you all stories. We can share some of those in a uh, future episode. Where, like I said, we're in a weird time right now, sports wise, so we can get into some other things like this. And Tuna, I'm glad that you took the lead on that and kind of pushed us down that path. That was a really cool discussion. Um, I wanted to good job, buttermaker. <laughs> it's your buttermaker. <laughs> quickly touch on the fact that the As you mentioned earlier, Tuna, the Combine is Mm -hmm. this weekend. Uh, We got the news today that Marvin Harrison Jr. uh, is not going to participate. Smart move, kid. Um, Is there anything in particular that, that, or maybe a player that you are looking forward to seeing how 
uh, he tests at this thing or anything like that? Uh, I'm going to be a little bit of a homer here, but um, the um, cornerback from Louisville, Jarvis Brownlee Jr., went to Senior Bowl and stood out, and he impressed every single scout that was there, and he has shot his way up the draft board already. I'm curious to see how he does at the combine this weekend. Jarvis Brownlee Jr. Well, why didn't he play? He did. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. Um, he did play for us. He did, and he's working his way up into a second to third round draft pick, which I never would have thought. But um, he was a Florida State transfer. Okay. Well, apparently the coaches didn't think it either. <laughs> he played a lot. Uh, <laughs> but um, – other than that, man, I mean, there's tons of good little running backs in here. Like, um, the quarterbacks, I don't think – I'm not even really sure who's going to throw. Is Bo Nix throwing this this weekend? I, I, I think, think he is. I think Bo Nix yeah. is an intriguing guy in this draft. I really do. Um, other than that, I, I think the biggest storyline going into draft that we're all looking at is – what are the Bears going to do? Is Justin Fields going to be there next year? Is he not? Um, I, I don't know why they wouldn't keep him. I I'll tell you they why should. they wouldn't keep him, because they're going to have to pay him. Right. And if you can get a good rookie quarterback and you get that three-year window with a rookie quarterback and what they could get for Justin Fields, I'm not sure. Maybe a third-round draft pick. I feel, I feel like the Bears are really coming along right now and have an opportunity to do something possibly – May, try to make the front end of the playoffs this coming season. I say this in a perfect world. Marvin Harrison along with a salary cap, DJ uh, wouldn't help. I keep things. Justin. Uh, I keep Justin Fields without a salary cap in a perfect world. Okay, I draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, I have, I have right. DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, and what I work on on getting an offensive line. I mean, they've got a couple good but running backs. The reality is, is the way that teams want to win in the NFL right now is why the quarterback is cheap. And when you get a rookie quarterback, like the Houston Texans have it made for the next two years. Yes. Like they have more cap space than you could even imagine. And the talent they're going to be able to surround C.J. Stroud with is going to be insane. Right. I thought the Colts – I think it turns out that the Colts made a good choice. And I think we all – I definitely questioned it. Now, he did get hurt, but he was playing well. Before he got hurt. And look what they did without him. I still think that the Colts are in a good position. Oh, look out. Here comes the AFC South. Well, I mean, dude, I mean, look at the teams that came out of there. The worst team in the division is going to be Jody's. Titans, don't forget we had the, don't forget none way. of us had hey, none <laughs> of us topic. had the Texans doing Jack no, Squat. You're and right. They, and you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely Anything's right. Anything's possible, man. Uh and and I, I am I right about Caleb Williams and uh Jane Daniels are not going to the college. They're not. Either. I don't even know if is yeah. what Drake May's doing. So I think he is. Okay. I don't see I don't know what these guys have to gain. If you're gonna be projected as a first rounder. Stay home. Don't even go that weekend. Like, all you're going to do is hurt yourself. Right. Um, unless you just want to participate in the bench press and meet coaches. I love doing the bench press. But I think going around, like, meeting the coaches, like, sitting there in those interviews where they ask you all, like, the weirdest right. questions yeah. possible. Right. Like, why would you want to submit yourself to that? Like, I I'd wouldn't. be like, you know what? You want to draft me? Come woo me. Come to my pro day. Tell me why. Right. Like, yeah, pro days where it's at. You're yeah. Right. 
that combine, man, I feel like that's just for like your middle tier guys. Yeah, you're right. It is. But other your, than that, there's still U of L, Auburn, Tennessee, uh, guys. Oh, yeah. Middle, middle of the tier. <laughs> okay, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are going to uh, Indianapolis this weekend, I would uh, heavily. It'd be a great place to meet some of your uh, sports uh, that's right. people. That's right. Ha- and that's what kind of may have gotten yeah. you on this. I would thing. heavily yeah. advise you to go uh, at about 4 o'clock and post up at the bar at St. Elmo. And just watch people walk in. Tuna, wear a blazer. Get you a blazer. You know, one time I got a blazer, and my mom and dad were having dinner and shenanigans, and they said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the Galt House, Gene Stallings, Jay Barker are there. He won the Unitas Award. I'm going in. I'm getting his autograph. And they're like, really? And I said, I'll be back here at 9 o'clock to have a beer with you. Went in there, walked in like I knew what I was doing. Got Dan Fouts autograph at the wet bar on a doily. Walked <laughs> in. <a> doily. <laughs> hey, Dan Fouts, you signed in. my doily. They I'm said, who, to would be like, here. who would like to get autographs? I got there right when it was over. <laughs> Everybody started getting up. I went right in line. I got, oh, by the way, Johnny, you, yeah, I'll take your autograph while you're standing here. Uh, got Gene Stallings, shook his Junction Boy crooked fingers. Got Jay Barker, and I was out. You can do it. I'm just going to wear a shirt that says, I love you, Andy Reid. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, 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 no, you can't look like I'm gonna you dress, want an I'm autograph. Gonna dress, you have to look like you're already there. You know what? I'm, I'm going to dress like Andy Reid. You know what? I, no, 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 no. With no. like icicles on your... Uh, no, no, no. You have, got to, you have got to go to one of these consignment shops and get a red blazer uh, and, oh, and yeah. have Fred... Fashion you a KC thing like oh, like oh, Hank hot, Stram used yes. to wear. Hot glue it right there. Logo. And just go sit at the bar like and, and when those guys walk in, go keep matriculating your way over here, boys. Keep matriculating your way over <laughs> yeah, here, just boys. Say, I'm from the I'm from the uh, the uh, what's the name of your stadium? Arrowhead Stadium. I'm from the Arrowhead Club. <laughs> okay, and I'm here to get your autograph for all the boys back home. Then you do it. And you get a couple different guys. But here's the thing. Travis and I have done that a lot. Not to continue on about that. But, dude, you go to the... When you go to the Final Four, you don't go hang out and drink beer, listen to the bands play where people are puking out the street. You go to the hotels that the teams are playing at and where all the coaches intervene and are schmoozing. You go sit there and get a table and look halfway decent. And you get a drink and you watch everybody and talk to... I mean, Travis and I did a, had a drink with Gene Cady. We certainly did. I mean, we've done it all. We said, hey, Jay Billis, what's up, Jay? He goes, what's up, guys? What are you two into? What are you two into? <laughs> and we're like, just, we work just for the NCAA. Around, walking around, <laughs> seeing all the action. We're like, you're getting ready to go to that Duke dinner that's private in that room. And he's like, yes, I am. We can see through there that everybody was in this, this room where yep. Duke was at. But... And then we hung out with Chris Mack half the night and da da da. Didn't even know it was him for a while. I mean, <laughs> I did. Yes, you did. You did know it was him. But yeah, that was another. I'm not going to get into that story. No, but that was but another situation very, where I got to kind of break the ice with him because I said, I saw you play in the NCAA tournament right up the street live. 
1990. And he was like, you were at that game? And I was like, hell yeah, I was at that game. You guys beat Georgetown. And he was like, well, come on over and let's talk about it. Right, yeah. And then remember exactly. it was about 2, 2.15 in the morning and he was like, I got to get up in four hours, boys. I got to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and he was literally there. He was the Xavier head coach, been to a couple lead eights, uh, and was networking. That's what they're all doing. They're all there networking. Uh, when it when it gets down, I've never done the football thing like that, but I've done the basketball thing, and it's pretty foolproof. You can find all those guys. The Final Four is is really it's such a celebration. It's very cool. It's where if you want to do something like that, go to the Final Four, find out the team hotels, hang out in the bars, and you will inevitably meet a billion people. Right, and or if you want to, if you want to get autographs. And- you want to shake their hand. You want to tell them that you've appreciated them. Yes. It, it's probably the easiest and it best is. thing it is. to do from that standpoint. Um, we are getting into Major League Baseball. I know we don't want to do a full baseball breakdown quite yet, but uh, I have noticed that uh, you know I've been following some scores on games and things like that. I think we have... Maybe a couple of picks coming up for later on this week that may be baseball-related. Tuna, is there anything uh, baseball-related that sticks out to you right now? Uh, Yeah, the uniforms are awful. Um, (laughs) I I did want to bring those up. You can see the players' balls, um, which is a problem. You can, and it's a problem. Um, The jerseys look like they were made... um, by the four of us just down here cutting material up. Uh, it's I don't know how they botched it this bad. Um, I don't know if Rob Manford's doing anything about it. Rob Manford uh, came out, I, I guess it was last week, and said that he is um, not renewing after fi- after the next five years. So we are in our last five-year stint with Rob Manford, who is a terrible commissioner. Um, he is the one that called the World Series trophy a hunk of metal. <laughs> uh, and did absolutely nothing to the uh, Houston assholes. So, um, but I don't know that that situation. The uniform's got to work itself out. Other than that, it's too early to tell the type of play that's going on. I will say, like I mentioned earlier to you guys, all three of you surrounding me are Cincinnati Reds fans, and I do believe you know me. I'm a big skeptic when it comes to this, and I've never been a big Reds guy. Uh, I will say that that team looks like it could be a little bit dangerous and a team to keep an eye on. And that central, I think, is wide open. The Cardinals are going to be vastly improved this season. Um, Other than that, we might be looking at a two-horse race with Cincinnati and St. Louis. I think we've all talked about this. I think the Reds pinpointed this year. Jody's talked about it. Travis has talked Mm -hmm. about it. Other Reds fans we know I'm talking about, I think even last year, yeah, we got hot for a while. We knew it wasn't going to last. But I think that we did know that next year could be the the year that we can maybe get something going all the way through the season. Well, I'm McClain's a star in the making. Um, Matt McClain, I just – I, I gush over this kid. I think he's absolutely oh, love incredible. Him. Love him. Uh, De La Cruz has potential to become a star, obviously. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a they mister. They figured him out a little bit. But yeah, but gotta... it's, it's how he adjusts, and that's what right. this year is going to be so big for him 
on how he adjusts to it. Right. That's, that's the um, best thing for McLean, though, because he gets to sit in the shadows and go, I'm mm-hmm. just going to keep doing my job yeah. and enjoying what I'm doing and playing right. hard. He Mr. puts his head down, Mr. man, comes Solid. to the ballpark and works his butt off yeah. every day. I, yeah. I, I love the hell out of that kid. Uh, our problem is uh, starting rotation. Well, obviously, and, and has but, been. but bigger than that is our ownership. That yeah, that bullpen this year though. But we have a better bullpen, early. I think. Yeah, they look like they could be something early. So, well, I sure hope so. I'm I'm as a long suffering Reds fan. I'm never gonna believe it till I see it. But, yeah, I'm with you. But it does at least give you. I mean, there have been several years in the past. 15, 18 years where you had no hope going into the season. Right. And now at least I have hope that they will be an interesting story. Well, right. I'm not going to pin the, the title on it. Remember last year we talked, it was like sleeper teams. I said Arizona Diamondbacks and the Baltimore Orioles. Right. I think both of those exceeded expectations. Yes. I'm not going to tag the Reds there just yet because it's a little too early. Right. But before the season starts, I want to put together some sleeper teams, and I think the yeah. Reds are knocking on that door. No, yeah, for and we'll, sure. We'll definitely we'll do a deep dive into Major League Baseball. Speaking of Penn, I have uh, uh, Mil- uh, I have the Brewers already on my voodoo doll, so we're good there. I don't think they even need to be on there. Right. I, I think this is going to be a rough year for the Oh, Brewers. I know. I don't care. Uh-huh. I want it to be a rough year. It is on the voodoo doll. We do not have to worry about the Brewers. Uh, Fred, do you have anything uh, – relative to horse racing for this week oh yeah yeah well uh i was gonna just say that the we did the rebel stakes this past weekend and uh one of the the favorites uh that was running that was making his sophomore debut was uh timberlake uh i know tuna loves justin timberlake big fan so this could be a uh, this is a solid uh stalker that uh, that is going to be in in the top ten and running on Derby Day. And we know you like stalkers. I love stalkers. Mm-hmm. That is the way. I mean, pretty much the stalker. You have your front runner. You have your stalker. And you have you the have guy your in the bushes. Yeah. And your stalker has <laughs> so I met won. His wife. <laughs> the stalker has won the. Uh, uh, Derby yeah. The last several times it is uh, the pace. Is always so fast. Everybody's so amped up. You've you got so many horses in there that you're definitely gonna find a rabbit. Uh, and it's almost gotten kind of crazy that you almost need bad weather or something. Uh, also, in the Saudi Derby was this uh, this weekend, and uh, there is a Japanese horse right. tuna that is pretty damn good. The best. Uh, horse that I've seen yet. Dice K. Come in that is from no, oh. and it isn't Dema Satokake. <laughs> it is Derma. Forever Young. That's he not was Japanese. Already, <laughs> excuse me. He is uh, not, uh, was already three for three. Say his name in Japanese. Uh, Nailed it. Uh, forever Young. Uh, and four for, he is four for, or now four for four has won the Saudi Derby. Who and sings that song? going to be a horse to be reckoned with. You just I'm pissed off you. all our Japanese listeners. No, Forever Young. Who sings that song? For Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart is jockeying Forever that horse. Young. <laughs> I need to do that karaoke. Don't yeah, I? you do. 
That's always an uplifting song. I agree. Tina, I think that's a good Sunday morning coffee song for you. In the yeah, morning. we'll do a duet. Uh, <laughs> but we do have four derby preps this weekend, guys. It's time to get into it because coming up after these four is the uh, Florida Derby, the, the Tampa Bay Derby, the Arkansas, the Wood, all these. So we need to get into it. And, you know, a lot of the horses are waiting a little bit later for those races, but some horses need points. Uh, let's start with the Fountain of Youth. I'm not going to go through them, but I'm going to tell you the horses that I'm just looking at because I haven't done my handicapping, and, and a couple of these races don't even have the – the field isn't even out. But you have the Fountain of Youth, you have the Gotham, the John Battaglia, and the San Felipe this weekend. <coughs> Excuse me. Um uh, and you've got uh, Dornick is uh, one of the top five horses that has yet to run and start his sophomore debut. He will be running in the Fountain of Youth. That is Danny Gargan's horse, Travis. Yeah. Uh, that, that's someone that we know uh, from Louisville. Uh, and we uh, – I uh, also – you've got Frankie's Empire. You've got Locked in there. That's a Pletcher horse that's in the top seven. Uh, I am going to go on a limb and try to beat these horses and maybe throw a little on speakeasy. Uh, of course, I'll have some of the chalk on top and, and some wheel bets, but I always like to, on the side, try to pick a different horse that I think could, could get hot. Uh, in the Gotham, you've got another horse that is just starting off uh, uh, just a touch. Uh, that is Justifies son uh he is going to be running in the gotham uh i'm gonna try to possibly beat him with el grande oh who's ran 10 races already that's way too many uh to run to get me on the derby trail in my opinion he's grande uh yeah and then the john battaglia and the san felipe have yet to pop up but of course doesn't matter you get derby points for uh all these uh, races, first, second, third. So, anyways, that's that's kind of what I got for you there. Uh, but I do I do think the Fountain of Youth has a great field, uh, way better than what what the Rebel had this past Saturday. So uh, definitely watch that race. I think there's twelve entries in there, and uh, should be a good one. Um, as we keep going, I'm gonna next week. Uh, I don't know if we have a lot to talk about, but after those four, I'm going to give you my top 20. I love that. My derby top 20, because I have yet to do it. And I'm going to put everything together and do my top 20. Uh, also running, I'm sorry, one horse that's running also is uh, just FYI, a filly that is a serious serious contender uh and she's going to be running saturday in florida as well on that card with the fountain of youth not against the boys but look for her to uh to cap her season off and she will be an oaks horse that will definitely be one of the favorites uh moving forward Barring injury or so something. So they know after this weekend how many derby preps are left. Uh, I would say just on, on, on my – I mean, you've got a couple over in Europe that are pop, that pop in there. 
Nobody cares uh, because about they them. get points. Yeah, we've already got the European horse that we know. Uh, but um, I think we after this we've got the, uh, and I'm just doing this off my head, but I, I think we've got the Tampa Bay Derby, eventually the Florida Derby, the Arkansas Derby, the Wood Memorial, uh, the Bluegrass Stakes. Uh, and then uh, I think there's always one at the end. Uh, it used to be called the Coolmore. Um, so there's five or six. Yeah, yeah five there's a handful or six. Left. Yeah. Yes, the big ones. All the big yeah. ones are right. Louisiana Derby. My favorite one will be stacked. Trust me, it will be stacked. So I can't wait for that one. And the Santa Anita, of course. And we still have yet to find out if Bob Baffert's horses are going to be in or out. I was going to ask you There's about that. There's been a rumor going around, like I said last week, that they were getting ready to maybe be in. Now it's a stagnant thing, and I heard from a pretty good source that he doesn't think that's going to happen. So okay. We'll see. Well, uh, with and all— And when you don't see them entered in some of these races, even though some of these races are in Florida and Aqueduct, you know, they're, they're none of them are out— You know, the San Felipe is out west, so we'll see— what that field looks like. And if he's got, I'm sure he's going to have horses in it. The horse I'm looking for is, uh, uh, the horse I'm looking for is Nisos. That is my number one horse. And it is a Bob Baffert horse. And you want to talk about athletic coming around turns and stuff. I can't wait to see if that horse is going to run. All right. That's it for me on that. Cool. Who's your horse? Love Nisos. <laughs> Big Nisos horse. This, uh, I'm going to get you on. I'm telling you, man, the athleticism I've seen in this horse, I'm I haven't g- seen anything like it in I some w- time. You know our new goal is for y'all to he watch can really, these races He this can run weekend, around them, t- them turns. These r- them turns. These races, and I'm going to get you in moving forward. Because mm. if I'm going to bet baseball, you got to bet horses. So Wait a minute. You're all into the NBA there's an NBA player that's big into horse racing. You know who that is? Rex Chapman? Jokic. Oh, okay. He's he Apparently, he's got a, a few horses that he's bought nice. in the last few years and won quite a bit of money. Nice. Okay. Well, with all that stuff being said, fellas, uh, we are approaching the end of our time here. Uh, we were, As always, we never know how long these shows are going to last when we – uh, when there's not necessarily big games to talk about right off the bat. But uh, I think tonight's episode was unique and different. I'm going to send it around the room uh, to you guys. Not, don't necessarily have to have picks. If there's games you're looking forward to this weekend or uh, anything else, we'll just send it around. Take as much time as you want. Tuna. Uh, Picks-wise, I didn't have anything for you last week. Um uh, I've got one for you this week, and it's uh, by the time you listen to this, it'll be tonight, uh, Tuesday night, February 27th. Um, I do really like Cincinnati to cover the 13.5 at Houston um, tonight. That's, that's a lot of points. And um, also looking forward to this weekend's slate of games to keep an eye on. Uh, obviously, we don't have lines out for these yet. But it's, uh, I think the Florida-South Carolina game is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And then followed up with Kansas and Baylor. Um, it's a loaded slate. We're getting a lot Marquette, Creighton, so on. Um, and also, if anyone has a free moment, uh, 
try to listen to a podcast. Um, it's a Joe Rogan podcast. I don't know how you feel about him, but he had Billy Walters on as a guest who is a all time electric factory in the, in the sports gambling world. Um, My so brother. yeah, take it. Yeah. Your brother, Mr. <laughs> Electricity, uh, take a minute or a couple hours and listen to this. It's just a great interview. Um, I love listening to him the way he talked about breaking games down and so on. So Fred, uh, Buttermaker. I want, uh, yeah, I want to uh, give a shout out to the HYR Apples. Uh, that is my son's basketball team. They went nine and zero in the seven and eight year old category and won the championship uh, thirty eight to fourteen. We're pushing them all towards collegiate, by the way. Yeah, there you go <laughs> for their yes. middle school uh, career. I think that, that I think I do think that they won by a. You want to deal with that parent? I think they won by an average of probably eighteen points a game. Uh, Were the bananas runner up? Uh, no, they were not. Uh, but we, I want to give a shout out. Uh, nine and O season, fantastic job. Uh, also, one had one of our better, uh, one of our uh, players that's getting better and better every uh, week. Had a last second shot. We got him that bucket at the end. It was awesome. The whole uh, crowd went crazy. Uh, we ran a play called the Worm, and it worked awesome. Uh, also, uh, dating back to last year, we uh, are 18 and one. I will say, winning uh, two-time back-to-back champions in the HYR Apples. So, kudos to those kids. They Go played apples. great. Right up there with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep, back to back. Jody, worm, corn dog. What's the difference? Uh, <laughs> I want to say congrats to UK. We didn't talk basketball much this week. Congrats, uh, big, big game this weekend. I know Tuna texted me or texted us during the game and said UK looked really good. They picked up on their D. They did give up ninety five points. That's the Nigerian the sat, but uh, the pace of that game the, though the was pace just is, insane. It was number one offense against number three offense, yeah. but it was yeah. number three sixteen defense against number three. And they were also defense. up by a thousand in the second half, <laughs> so the defensive intensity wasn't necessarily yeah, true. Exactly. True, but he did start the game. Uh, with Big Z getting way more minutes and the uh, Nigerian that doesn't have a great feel for the game yet because he's barely even freaking played. He finally put him on the bench and let him watch for a while and Big Z came in and the team seemed to mesh all around him. Big Z's no look Big, uh, Big Z doesn't need behind to the back threes. pass was just gorgeous, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I'm just saying, dude, this is going to happen and move forward, and Kentucky's a different team. I think Edwards uh, Edwards went 10 for 10. Who's the last Wildcat to do that? Uh, uh, best in Cal history since he's been there. You know, Edwards was the number one recruit for most of the year last year. And has year. been very patient. So and has a great like attitude, a shock, but he's right? Come but along. he, he, yeah. I really like his attitude throughout the season. He hasn't uh, gotten mad or or really hurt the team by not doing great. He's kept his head up. He smiled, and I got to give him uh, a lot of uh, points for that. I, I really do respect the kid. All right, the way Fred, he's handled himself. let's let Jody get yeah, you through two his get a room. Part. Oh, okay. We didn't we, we didn't talk about <laughs> Kentucky. It was a huge win. Back to that. The one Road the tied. one thing that Fred just touched on, the one thing about UK this year is most of those kids, uh, they have great attitudes. They get along. Uh, they like each other, and they look like they're having fun, even though we've lost some. So my picks this week, I got uh, UK plus two and a half at Mississippi State. That's an away game. 
that is going to be a very tough game. That's tomorrow night at 7. And then I'm taking the money line. We don't. That know should this. be a great game. Oh, it's yeah. going to be a great yeah. game. Uh, Mississippi they, State is a great guard. They, they have the great same record. Guard. That guy is unbelievable. That's a two and a half point spread. Yeah, that'll be. They have. Be they tough. have the same record, uh, and that's going to determine if we a big way. If if we can run the board, we get the double buy in the tournament, which there is huge. Go. That said, look at uh, University of Tennessee's remaining schedule. They have a tough schedule left. A very tough schedule. So, if we can run the board, that'd be great. Also, Saturday, UK plays Arkansas at home at one thirty, And yeah, I'm just taking the money them. line on that. We they'll should kill them. even mentioning that yeah, one. They'll kill them. Yeah. Devo Davis has been playing well, though. I give him that. So, so take the Cats, both games this week. I don't know. Awesome. Uh, don't bet against the must bus. Colin is taking Texas Tech uh, minus four against uh, Texas. He is taking Nevada. Uh, I've got it at plus six against Colorado State. And he said, uh, just to mess with Tuna, he's taking the Reds against the Dodgers in their spring training game. Get it while you can, boys. Spring's the time <laughs> oh, to get it. I love it. Get it while you can. <laughs> I love that bet. Um, I am uh, sticking to my guns and taking... Wisconsin to cover no matter what. I mean, it's <laughs> it's four, but they, they're going to beat Indiana by 100. Uh, I am also taking Nevada uh, plus six. Those are my two picks. And quickly, uh, I just saw some breaking news for, uh, I know there's a few people that listen every week that are old school wrestling fans like myself. Oh, I thought another coach left Bama. And, uh, <laughs> I would like to say R.I.P. to the great Ole Anderson, who is one of the oh. original, one of the original Four Horsemen, along with his uh, gimmick cousin Arn, uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair, and Tully Blanchard. Uh, also, was a head booker for the N.W.A. for several years. Um, so, R.I.P. Ole Anderson. Uh, he lived to be the ripe old age of eighty-one, which for professional wrestlers of that era is a pretty damn good run. Um, I want to thank you guys for being here. Uh, it was a fun episode tonight. want to thank everybody for listening. For Mr. Electricity, Whiteboard Jody, the big fellow of the tuna country, Matt Kempf, and the fabulous one, Freddie Benders, this is Travis Carter saying so long, everybody. So long.